going on welcome back to another episode of the wonderful the arsenios esl podcast man guys honestly it has been a very long time since i've done one of these episodes as a matter of fact it's been about three weeks that's right the business english podcast has gone on a hiatus i must apologize but man you have no idea how suppressed with time I am at the moment, and it's because, uh, you know, the the biggest thing, uh, I guess you could say, probably the biggest moment in my career, well, by far, this is like the biggest moment in my career, happened just about a few weeks ago, and now there are 10 students waiting for my responses. Uh, I have about 30 students right now. There are a bunch of students taking TOEFL this, uh, this month. It has just been incredible, and I'm so deserving of it considering what has happened, you know, throughout my life here in Thailand and me putting all the work in. And so I've been on a hiatus because, man, I'm teaching like literally eight hours a day, you know, and it's probably primarily because a lot of people are taking up my time. A couple of people who are finishing up right now <clears throat> in, in regards to my classes. But other than that, you could probably hear it in my nose, in, in my voice that it sounds not 1000 percent because, gosh, I've been doing so much talking. Right. And so. With that being said, people, I'm so grateful to be back. I'm so grateful to be back. And I just want to give my graces. The last time I actually talked to you uh, was January 10th. And by that time, I thought my podcast was dead. I was like, yeah, don't really care. And the next, you know, it went on probably one of the biggest 10 day tours ever. And for the first time in my podcast history, uh, there were four consecutive days that I got at least a thousand plays, one of them being 2000 plus. And so it was an 8,100 play week. This is the second best ever since May of 2021, if I'm not mistaken. So I just want to say thank you guys so much. It is so good to be back. And man, let's dive into decision making. Man, I talk about this almost every season, season eight, season seven, season six. But there are always bigger and better questions to ask yourself. And so first and foremost, I have to ask you, when was the last time you were faced with a difficult decision? And were unable to make up your mind. And how did you decide in the end? Or was the decision made for you? I would have to say in terms of business, one of the biggest decisions. Uh, it wasn't a difficult decision. I went with my gut instinct. And you guys probably heard what happened. Uh, I believe it happened probably in the month of October, if I'm not mistaken. And it was during the rainy season, right? Yep, it was definitely October because that was the last time I went to that company. But remember, I told you I walked in to this company and they were already very, meh, like they don't even want to be there. I'm like, if you don't want to be here, I don't want to be here, you know? And I told myself at the beginning of this year, no more Thai companies, no more Thai students. I'm going to double down on what's working. And I have about a dozen countries in Central and South America, all dentists, who are listening to me and who are who I'm coaching at the moment. And it feels so fucking good to know what my niche market is officially, you know? So with that being said, I walked in and I was faced with a difficult decision. I had to make a quick decision. I walked into this place and I don't know, I wasn't feeling too good. I wasn't feeling too good. I had a bad feeling. And when that bad feeling comes, I know it just gets worse and worse. So I went upstairs. And I was eating my little, uh, you know, my little dinner and everything. And I was just like, okay, well, let me just hurry up and finish eating this. And then I'm going to walk on over there. 
And to be honest, if you haven't already taught there, and this is through one of the language centers that not language centers, a nice little freelancing that I used to work for. I don't work for them anymore. Done. And I told myself, okay, well, let me go into this office. And right when I walked in the energy and I said, you know what, I'm going to go in and I'm going to say hello to everyone just as I do. But for some reason that day, everyone looked at me and said nothing. No, hello, no, nothing. And looked right back at their monitors and kept speaking amongst themselves. I sat down in the table right next to, of course, that bullpen area. And I just sat there with a really weird look on my face. And I said, Arsenio, how do you feel? I feel like this is a waste of fucking time. I'm literally working here till eight at night. And I don't get home till, you know, sometimes if I get real lucky, like 8.40, 8.45. If I get very unlucky, 9.30. And do I want to sleep that late? Absolutely not. Well, Arsenio, what's the next right action of integrity? If you don't want to be here, what are you going to do? Well, to be honest with you, at that time, of course, you know, the, the students were skyrocketing, right? That was the biggest influx ever. Although January is probably the biggest influx and this month. And who knows, the rest of the year is the biggest influx of students in my entire life. So nonetheless, I told myself financially at the time, did I need it? Yes, as a matter of fact, because I got so complacent in September that in October, I just let my hustle and everything go away in terms of posting things and, you know, learning about marketing and everything. And so if you were to tell me, Arsenio, you needed, you kind of needed that money at the time, but you left. But to be honest with you, I just did not give a fuck whatsoever because that feeling that I had was a feeling of, well, you shouldn't even be here. It was the feeling that I got when I went into these schools and I was shoved away because I was the black one you know, in the interview. And this is 2013, 14, 15, 16. This isn't even in the up, uh, up country. We're talking in the heart of CBD. We're talking a Korean lady saying, oh, well, I really didn't want to hire you because you're black. All these different things began resurfacing. I asked myself, Arsenio, you're worth more than what you're actually getting. And for them to come in and to not say a word to you. And I still remember the previous class, like this girl just had an attitude and kept saying, huh, huh, huh. Funny because all of a sudden, all of you have amnesia. First class, you guys understood everything. You guys were so li lively. And now you're just a bunch of angry little bitches. I literally grabbed my stuff. And then I don't remember. I, I can't remember. I think I looked at someone. I said, I'll be back. I went downstairs. I got on that train. And I left. And I sent a message to the lady. And again, we ended up having a conversation, never worked for her again. And we had a couple other private students I dumped them off to because she's like, oh, let me contact you when I'm ready to study. Uh, no, I'm now permanently unavailable to you. How about that? And finally, after 10 years living here, I had to tell myself, Arsenio, although you live in Thailand, you don't necessarily have to teach Thai people. That's not your market. And it feels so good knowing that. That was a difficult decision. It was a decision of me walking out, understanding that I'm going to terminate not only the relationship with this place in which I kind of need the money and wasted literally five of those classes, not even getting that deposit back. So I went out of pocket hundreds of dollars even to get there and for the dinners and to hang around in different places. For what? Nothing. And you know what's even more amazing? I ended up coming all the way home 
knowing, ooh, Arsenio, wow, you just walked out of a job. Not the best decision. But at the same time, it wasn't about this. It wasn't about any, it wasn't about money. It was about me standing for something much bigger than I and standing up against the, in, the, the intolerable bullshit that I had to deal with in this country. So when it comes to hasty decisions, me walking out, I had to think about it. But if you were to ask me, Arsenio, would you like to go back there? I don't ever want to see those people ever again. And, you know, my fiance, she's like, hey, you know what? Don't even worry. Don't even worry. Don't even worry. And she never says that. Normally she would say, man, I can't believe it. This, this, that. She's like, oh, and she saw how angry I was. She was like, okay, you know what? You don't need to be there. You don't need to be there. I even walk from the train station pretty far just because I wanted to, like, I needed to walk off, walk that off and cool off. And she's like, where the hell are you? I'm like, oh, I, I just walked a little bit up ahead. And so to be honest with you, those, it wasn't a hasty decision, but because I built up my intuition and my instinct so much, it's very easy for me to make relationship terminating decisions. And for the best of both parties, you know, this is a place that came around. And to be honest with you, five years ago, they did give me a couple of big time people, especially at the beginning of 2020 during COVID. But the last five that I got from them have all been duds, meaning not very good at all. And now, because I am literally known as the best Toffler now in the world with all the results I'm getting. I and it's crazy. I get messages and WhatsApp calls every single day. And it's with people saying, hey, 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 from different countries all around the world. It's because I know my four cores of credibility. So I could give you this right here. You may be a cool headed decision maker. OK, you may be a cool headed decision maker in the office. But would you know what to do? in a real life or death situation. That is a very, very good question. I'm talking about a life or death situation. I've only been faced with those a couple of times. A robber, welcome to Las Vegas. <laughs> uh, that was 15 years ago. I didn't know what to do. Somebody was breaking in downstairs. I put my hands up on my face, didn't know what to do. And I said, you know what? I'm going to scare the hell out of this individual by running downstairs screaming. Probably not the best thing if somebody had a gun, but only half his body was in the goddamn place. He saw me, he smiled, and he ran away. Knew who he was, got his ass locked up for more than two decades. Not bad. No bullshit. Welcome to Las Vegas. Welcome to America. Guess what? The only reason why we ended up having those types of shady people around was because my broken-headed brother. And because he was around probably the, the lowest of low human beings. And so, unfortunately, I had to be faced with the indirect situation. And this is all based on my biological brother. Now, again, if it comes to weather and stuff like that, I think the only thing I got stuck on top of a mountain had to be rescued by the Metropolitan Police Department out there in Las Vegas back in 2006. Not a very dangerous situation, but had it gone dark, it could have been an unbelievably dangerous situation because there would be no way of knowing where to go and how to get back down the mountain. We had no lights. Even if there was a trail, considering the snakes and different things on Sunrise Mountain out there in Las Vegas, there's no telling if I would have gone home. That's just all there is to it. And so 
was I scared? No, because thankfully, as messed up as America is, I live in a country and our taxpayer money do go to these policemen. And the policeman ended up sending a helicopter up there. They they ridiculed us. Don't give a damn. Just send me back home. Okay. Just take me back to the base of the mountain. And so I'm going to give you some worst case scenarios. Okay. And let's see what happens here. I'm going to give you a couple of these. This is going to be very interesting. I love this. The principle behind the site is a simple one. You just never know. Okay. So you never really know what nasty surprises life has in store for you. What is lurking around the corner? What is hovering over your head? What is swimming beneath the surface? Actually, being in the water scares the shit out of me. Let's keep it going. You never know when you might be called on to perform an act of extreme bravery. Oh, shit, yeah. I almost got cut by this lady's grandpa, by the way. I had to save her life because her father was going to kill her uh, for whatever reason. And this was the second night he had gone there, and I had to butt in. And it's funny because everyone kind of, well, you know, she and the family, they loved me forever until I ended up leaving. That was back like nine years ago. But uh, I, I was shocked to see that Thai people were just willing to just stand there and watch somebody be killed. I said, man, not on my watch. That lady, she cooks damn good food. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. No, no. Like, dude, like, come on, man. And so that was nuts. That just came to mind. So here we go. You guys are hearing a lot of good stories. All right. So here we go. And to choose life or death by your own actions. But when you are called, we want to be sure that you know how to react. We want you to know what to do when the pilot passes out. Holy God, that's terrible. And you have to land the plane. (laughs) Jesus. We want to know what to do. Or we want you to know what to do. I want you to know what to do. When you see that shark fin heading towards you. So... This, again, obviously, the things that are lurking around the corner, I have no idea what it's talking about. But hovering over your head and swimming beneath the surface, obviously, you know, the horrible, horrible sharks. Okay, but I'm going to give you two different things. This is going to be nuts. Okay, get ready for this. On a driving holiday in India, you lose control of the car that you hired. Okay. And you're traveling downhill at about 70 miles per hour on a mountain road, kind of like the road of death out there in Peru, I believe it's called. You have no brakes. And there's a 300 meter drop to the valley below. What do you do? Do you try to jump out of the car and roll to safety? That's me. Do you steer away from the cliff edge and into the mountainside to stop the car? That's another pretty good one. Unless I see the back part of the wheel, like going off the cliff. And then I'm just going to jump out the right, uh, whatever side of the passenger or the driver's seat, whatever, whichever one is like inward. Okay. Or would you steer into the crash barriers on the cliff to slow the car down? Well, first and foremost, you don't even know, depending on if you're in India, those crash barriers probably aren't even crash barriers. <laughs> okay. They're probably sticks. Okay. And I'm only saying that I'm saying that very lightfully. Okay. And jokingly, obviously, but I'm just saying they're totally different from guard barriers that you would see in Australia or America. Okay, De- uh, I don't even think the, the the dangerous road in Peru, they don't even have those barriers. Okay, you're just going to go fucking flying down. And it is sad knowing how many people have fallen off that cliff. So me going at 70 miles per hour, if you jump out of a car, you're probably going to die. Okay, number two, me, I'm going to slam as hard as I can into the mountain more than likely. 
Okay. Because if you're going at 70 miles per hour downhill and you hit the guardrail, oh, you're in a very, very ugly situation. So I would rather hit a mountain knowing that the mountain is going to just completely destroy me and I have a fighting chance instead of hitting a guardrail, knowing that however deep that guardrail is, if it breaks and you go over, bye-bye. See you in the afterlife. So what would you do in that situation? Got another one right here on a trek in the Chilean Andes. You get cut off from the rest of your group and become hopelessly lost. As you try to work out which direction to take, you are confronted by a hungry mountain lion. Now, I watched a video, and I know exactly what you have to do. But check this out. Do you lie down and play dead? Maybe for bears. Do you shout and flap your coat at the animal? Or do you run and hide? Maybe find a tree to climb. You're never gonna out. You're never gonna outrun an animal, so please don't run. Okay, please don't run. Now, if you're near a tree, they're gonna climb too. Okay, you could probably kick it as much as you can and get in a big fight, maybe for the next ten to thirty minutes, trying to blind the tiger. But to be honest with you, I saw a video. There was a cougar, some kind of leopard, some just what I'm talking about right here. And the man saw the mom coming after him. He kept and remained eye contact while stepping back. And that big ass cat was kind of, I don't know, it was kind of like doing something in an attacking way. And he had his voice very loud, but he just kept stepping back and stepping back and stepping back. And so I thought it was a remarkable trait of composure. I thought, I mean, to, for him to see that massive cat, coming at him in a very belligerent way, flapping its paws at him and at the ground as if it was getting ready to attack. He maintained eye contact. So by maintaining that eye contact, hey, it was, it, it, that probably, get that was a 100% chance of living. But if he had turned his back and tried running, he would have to, that cat is going to obviously get him. And he's going to have to hope that that cat doesn't get a hold of his external juggler on his neck, the vein. Because if he does, it's game over. So, wow, there are a lot of different things to talk about in terms of these and these worst case scenarios and things that we've had to be pressed with. And it just goes to show you that when it comes to jobs and stuff like that, it's not as bad, right? I'm going to give you another one. Here we go. Oh, I'm loving these. During a flight over the Grand Canyon. In a private plane, your pilot passes out and you have to land the plane yourself. You manage to reach the airfield. Whew, congratulations. Do you keep the nose of the plane pointing above the horizon as you descend to the runway? I'm pretty sure that's how it works. Do you slow down to the 60 miles per hour as you touch down and then hit the brakes hard? Well, they kind of do that when they land in Bhutan and Nepal. Or do you keep the plane at a steady altitude of 150 feet as you approach the beginning of the runway? That's probably not the best thing to do because anytime you guys have flown and you landed, you're and to be honest with you, you're probably at about 150 feet, give or take, you know, depending on where you're landing. But anytime I land at Don Wing International, Phuket International, Krabi International, when we land, I get so scared because I'm like, okay, we're just like literally 100 feet above the trees and it feels like we're going to hit some trees. Where is the runway? 
And then you finally go over that big, crazy electrical fence. And then you see the runway and then it lands. So I think you have to be at probably that range, about 150 feet, but not at the beginning of the runway. I think that's a little bit too high. Jesus. What is that? I don't even know how much that is in meters. I could be ridiculously wrong, but 50 meters? No fucking way. Absolutely not. And then slow down. Now, I'm going to keep the nose on the plane. I'm sorry. I'm going to keep the nose of the plane pointing up because it always lands on the back wheels first before it lands the front. I don't know. I could be a clown, but I'm just telling you guys. So let's go into uh, the last one. While walking over a frozen lake in Norway, which you were assured was perfectly safe, you fall through the ice and are in danger of drowning. Oh, shit. If, 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 God, whatever. If you don't end up surviving from that, you're probably going to die of, I believe it's called hypothermia. Hyperthermia is elevated uh, blood or low blood. Shit, I forgot. Okay, anyways, do you attempt to pull yourself out? Ooh, let's see. Do you move about in the water and generate body heat? Um, fuck no. And you know what's crazy? They're probably going to say, hey, yeah, you got to do that. Or do you stay calm and conserve energy and cry for help? Well, no one's going to hear you, okay? So uh, forget about that, all right? But what's going to happen here in the next podcast, we're going to listen to some advice in terms of the eight worst case scenarios, which you just heard about, all right? We're going to be getting into the next podcast and listening to some of the advice in regards to what people say about this. But boy. How terrifying is that, though? How absolutely terrifying is are those situations? And planes, they're always the worst, right? I love uh, flying the very big planes. You know, I think you guys have heard some of uh, the plane crashes. I believe one that happened recently in Nepal. And I never heard of that airline before. I've never heard of a lot of these airlines. And I'm just very grateful. A lot of people do have to take these types of airlines. But I'm going to take the big ones. I'm going to pay more. I'm going to pay the Singapore Airlines. I'm going to pay the Cathay Pacific, although I don't think I could fly to Hong Kong ever again because they might just arrest me and shoot me right there. Uh, Let's see. Uh, I love Japan Airlines, ANA. And now, yes, in the past, before the 80s, yes, Japan Airlines, Thai Airways, uh, Bangkok Airways. Yeah, but the thing is, none of these big-time airlines are crashing. So... To be honest with you, am I willing to pay a little bit more to fly some of these big airlines? You bet your ass. So, um, but unfortunately, there are times where that happens. And I can't imagine following, you know, falling out of the sky at 10,000 meters, 30,000 feet. Because you have two inexperienced uh, pilots who, uh, I forgot what it's called, but basically the uh, the engine stalls and they don't know how to recuperate. And the next, you know, they completely fall all the way down. And it's just saddening knowing that that happens. That happened with Air Asia, I believe it's 2013, 14 or 15. The disappearance of Malaysia. We, we, we know that it's no disappearance. Something definitely happened. There's no other way. Uh, because you would see some kind of aircraft or something. That just doesn't make any goddamn sense. Or there are a couple of other things, obviously. But man, what a journey. Okay, what a journey. A lot of people go through uh, some very tough situations. I think you guys watched that movie with Idris Elba and Kate Winslet when their uh, plane had gone down. A pretty remarkable movie. I loved that movie. That was fantastic. But in saying that, 
we're going to be listening to the advice given from these people in regards to these situations, a little bit off business, and then we're going to go into some other good stuff. So with that being said, thank you for tuning in, and I'll be seeing you soon. Great to be back. Over and out.